Hey guys, it's Pastor Scott, and I want to thank you for sharing these moments together. My prayer has always been that something said would fortify, strengthen, encourage, and equip us to become everything we were created to be. Listen, I know you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Pastor Mark Workman, and I cannot wait to share part two with you. I hope that you listen. I hope that you learn. I hope that you really hear some of the things that are being said because we are living in times where I believe truth, not just facts, but truth is at a premium. And in all our getting, Proverbs instructs us to make sure that we get understanding. So I hope that these podcasts have been blessing you, stirring you, and let's just jump right into my conversation, part two, with Pastor Mark Workman. One of the things that has, I don't know if I want to say grieved me, but it's certainly something that I've noticed, um, we've, we've done better, I think, at doing church. Uh, than doing life. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Especially, like you said, those of us who, you know, we know what it's like as far as being in ministry to, you know, be the first ones there, you know, turn on the lights, cut, you know, turn sure. on the systems, um, clean the bathrooms when everybody leaves, sure. you know, so that we're the first ones in, last ones sure. out. Sure. Um, but I do, I do hope that maybe some of this. Um, you know, because people are saying, well, church will never get back to, you know, we'll never get back to what it Well, I don't, I don't think that all that's bad, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like you. I'm hearing another sound. I don't, you know, the, the day of Pentecost, they heard a sound from heaven. I'm hearing a sound now from the earth. Right. Like you said, in Romans chapter 8, the groaning from the earth. And I'm also learning that when I was younger, I needed to feel like I had every question answered. Sure. But now I'm okay with, you know, what Paul refers to as the mystery of godly. You know, there's some mystery there that I'm okay with. Um, But, you know, when when you mention the personal loss and, um, you know, just to hear some of the things that you've been through and, and some of the things that you're seeing now, Pastor Mark, how do you answer when someone says, and I know this may be naive on their part, but we're hearing it. You know, how could God let this happen? Well, you said it yourself. For the first time in my life, when that happened, was the first time that I was able to have a mystery box. Mm-hmm. I, at that time, I didn't think we were allowed to have mystery boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that some of you are asking us, what's the mystery box? Yeah. Well, those are the questions that when you are faced and it would take me forever to be able to talk about that part of my life. But uh, the short of it was is that I came to a place that I had to make a choice. And the worst thing I did during that time, the worst thing I did is that I said to myself, for a year after my son was killed, I cried. Well, I call it crying. You can't call uh, weeping and sobbing uh, for uh uh, unlimited amount of times for a whole year. There was never a day that didn't go by that I did not weep. Yeah. It would come on me like waves of grief. Yeah. And uh, and I came to a place I'll never forget. I was sitting in my son's car and I had gotten a job as a, uh, a, a janitor cleaning buildings. 
I know that sounds prestigious, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, really, I know a lot of you are just like, oh, tell me how I can get one of these. I know what it's like to yeah. be part of the custodial arts. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget. I got this job, and people wonder why did he do this. But I had to do something with my hands. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go to church anymore. I couldn't be with church people, you know. And and uh, I'll never forget how cleaning toilets and mopping floors and taking out trash in the midst of that, that, that God began to do something to me that I didn't understand at the time. But I'll never forget the worst thing I did during that time was I said to myself, I'm not going to cry anymore. I'm not going to grieve. I'm not going to grieve anymore. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It, it, my heart just breaks every day, every day, every day, every day. And it was the worst thing I could do. Mm-hmm. And the people around you, because especially when you're going through grief, and it doesn't have to be the loss of a child. I mean, people are going over, they're grieving now. They're grieving over a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They're grieving over the simplest thing of not being able to go out to have a meal or to a movie. Mm-hmm. They're grieving over the lack of freedom. They're grieving over uh, the 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 they're grieving over a, a lack of normalcy. Right. So there is a lot of grief in the world. So there's a lot of grief that's going up from the earth of us grieving over the loss of our safety and our security. Well, that's what happened with me. Is the very things that I loved and I held to uh, had was gone. Mm-hmm. And in that that declaration, uh, I began to bottle up, and all of a sudden I closed up, mm-hmm. and that's when that's when I began to go through a dark valley. It lasted for over five years, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, in that time, in that time, and again, I don't I, we don't have a whole lot of time here for me to go through it, but but I think that is what we hear today is the grief and how I made it through was I came to a place to where that God, I finally realized where the hurt, the pain had come from. Mm-hmm. And and the simplest answer I can give you is there has to be that Bethel moment. Mm. There has to be that Jacob moment to where that you are finally alone with God, which is the most terrifying thing yeah, yeah. for many of us <laughs> who are extroverts, you know, and we need people and we need to be busy and we need to be doing things. And all of a sudden you're alone with God with a rock under your head. And before you is somebody who you think wants to kill you and behind you, there's no place to go. And here you are stuck in the middle. Sounds like a good song. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. here you are stuck in the middle alone between you and God. That's where we are. Yeah. And that's where you're at is in that place to where that I had to wrestle out that part of me that had to have something that wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was the the rea- that was a false reality. My conception of God was false. You know, I thought he was this person who could not be touched and he was this high and lifted up one and and he was unattainable. And all of it was for many reasons. I could get into rejection. I could get into to loneliness. I could get into me being a latchkey kid, being raised by myself. I can get into stories of being uh, six years old, sewing buttons on my pants by myself in the morning so I could go to school. I mean, there's a dozen stories that wow. that develop your your persona, your personality, 
And when you're saved, just because we're saved and redeemed, our spirit is saved, but our past and our memories have not been resolved. Yes. So yes. That, that projects onto our relationship with God. So when you go through a crisis, all of those things in your life, all of those weaknesses in your life now come to bear. Right. Hello. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here yeah. for you now to answer all the questions that you have pushed in the back of your mind, all the fears, all the weaknesses that are back there. Yeah. And yeah. so and that's just like this young lady who was saying, or the, the uh, gentleman, whoever was saying to you, is that I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. It is all those unresolved insecurities and fears and being able to come and confront them face to face with yeah. God. And know that God's not going to turn you away. God's not going to reject you. In fact, He wants you to come. He allows the pressure sure, sure. to push you towards Him. Yeah. That's why his thoughts are above our thoughts and our yeah. ways are above, his ways are above our ways is because, because that's not the way we would do it. Well, that's because you're not God. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not God. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. And I love the phrase that you said, all of this pressing us towards him. Yes. You know, uh, condemnation pushes us away. But, you know, the true love of God that is constraining, I, I, and I do feel like that. I do feel that he uses these circumstances to press us and move us towards, as you said earlier, a true knowledge, a progressive knowledge um, of him. I knew you as this. It's almost like Job. I've heard about thee by the hearing of sure. the ear, but now doth my eye behold. Um, uh, let me... First of all, I, I, I definitely think you ought to be doing this um, on a weekly basis, at least from this format, because I think you have uh, incredible wisdom and insight. Um, and I've said this before. Sometimes I, the three most important words to people aren't I love you, it's I've been there. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to minimize uh, your opportunity, so I'm inviting you now with everybody listening. Uh, to to join us and, and let your voice be heard. Well, sometimes I don't think I'm a pastor. I think I'm a spiritual travel agency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people well, ask you, well, yeah. how do I get to this destination? Sure, sure. <laughs> and hey, let's let's use that because I want to move. Uh, let me ask you another uh, another question. Um, where do you where do you see? Uh, quote unquote the church we've already said that it's not wow. a monolithic entity and you know with so many changes but as we move you know a hot phrase right now is you know new normal um, where, where do you see the church moving into what's, what's our potential some of the things that we may have to let go of um, what are some of the things that we can embrace and, and be part of you know the present solution um, how do you see the church looking from, from I don't want to say from here on, but, you know, uh, in the next season? Well, I think it, it's amazing because the very thing that has come upon us says no community, mm -hmm. you know, no pressing of flesh. Mm -hmm. You know, when you take that away from the church, you destroy the church, the very fabric of the church. Right. I, I, I hear a lot of people's, you know, well, we don't need the church building and we don't need to be in there to have, well, I understand that, but that's, you're missing the point. The mm -hmm. point of it is, is that, that, that we've got to be together yeah. because we have to reflect off of one another. Mm -hmm. And I think where we're coming to is a new dimension of community. 
I think we're coming to a place to where that we are not a convention to where we're, we're going to be talking about the rules and the regulations and we're going to pass this bill and this is how we're going to run this department from now on and this is how we're going to do this and we've got this program that we're going to promote. It moves from the convention floor to the living room. Mm-hmm. It moves to a place of intimacy. It moves to, because you can't, you, you, we can no longer, and I mean, I, I believe that what our society has done, it has insulated people from an intimate relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. This whole thing has always come down to one-on-one. Sure. I mean, you can say what, what you want. It always comes down to one-on-one, the three, you know, P- uh, Peter and John, and, and, and the three with, with James, Je- yeah, and James yeah. with Jesus. You know, it, it always came down to, to, you know, Jesus being alone, him speaking to the one individual. Yeah. Uh, there's only there's only a matter of a few incidents of Jesus speaking to the crowd, right? But it was always to demonstrate the power of the kingdom and the magnitude of it. But it always came down to you know the two going out, the witness right. going out. Right. It was always uh, uh, of us one on one speaking. It's it is sure, Philip, I'm, yeah, Nicodemus. And it's Philip the, and the, the eunuch. Philip and the woman at right. the well. You know. It's Zacchaeus Zacchaeus, in the tree. Right, right. You know, we always look at the feeding of the 5,000. Wow. But yet Jesus, in the midst of it, catches a little man in the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, and goes home to dinner with him. It's Jesus sitting down with the sinners out in Matthew's house. Mm -hmm. You know, I love those. I love the picture of Jesus sitting there in the middle of all of those prostitutes and tax collectors and the scourge of society, (laughs) you know, and there's his mother and brothers outside in the one incident. Hey, go tell him we're here to see him. And Jesus said, hey, who's my mother? Who's my brother? That's right. You know? So, I mean, it really comes down to that. And I think the church is coming back because I think God is, I believe, I believe that God is saying, hey, I want to be with you. I want us to come and I want us to develop so that we can take time to really develop the gifts Mm -hmm. within the body. So the body can nurture itself and then so that we can evangelize. Mm -hmm. So that we can have this movement that's there. We talk about the great awakening. But my whole question is, I hear about the Great Awakening, but what about the Great Reformation mm-hmm. that needs to take place yeah. in the house of God? I think God put a pause on the church and said, you got some business to take care of. Mm-hmm. you got some things to clean up. You've lost sight of who I am and yeah. what I'm trying to do. And so I think that God is, is creating a reformation in the body. And as the body, so that we can prepare for what this great awakening is going to be. I think it's a, an exciting thought about the, the great awakening. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do believe that, that God wants to do this. But at the same time, I do believe that God wants to do a work in the church. And I think that has to be through intimacy. And I think right. it has to be through through the closeness of rubbing the flesh. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so. ab- absolutely. Yeah, when, you know, I, and I, I understand. I understand when somebody says, you know, well, I don't have to go to the building to be saved, and I don't have to be a, and uh, well, of course, you don't have to. It's no. you know, I don't, 
I don't have to. You probably didn't want to anyway. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Before. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed that a lot of people are very comfortable now watching on social, you know, watching on social media. There are some people that I think will come back slowly, progressively. I, I think there's a demographic that may never come back because they feel like they can get, you know, the same thing that we get at their comfort or they can turn right. it off when they want to, turn it on when they want to. So, you know, I... I well, I have a doctor's friend uh, in another state, won't say where, but uh, he said to me, and I said, well, how are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm doing great. He said, you know, I'm antisocial. He said, so this is, I'm having the greatest time right. of my life. He said, I've got an excuse not to be with you mm -hmm. and yeah. not to have people around <laughs> me. So, you know, for the antisocial people, this is the greatest time in sure. history for them. Yeah, you know? sure, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I told somebody, I don't, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to go to the church to be saved. I don't, I don't have to dress out in the uniform if I'm part of a team, but I like to play. I want to play. I mean, don't you, know, you think, honestly, if we were just, it's just me and you here and nobody else is listening. Yeah. So, but don't you think that some pastors were like, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, they were like, absolutely. yes. Absolutely. I don't have to go into the office. Yeah. Yes, I don't have to put a suit on every week. Yes, you know, I'm thinking that the, it was almost a relief to some pastors. Now, do I think that they're going to say that in Charisma Magazine? No, no. Yeah. Do I think yeah. that they're going to say that publicly? No, but I think, uh, you know, I'm thinking the thought that's there is is there. And of course, for those who are codependent, you know, it shuts down the ability because of all the things that's there. So you got a lot of things that are going on. The codependent pastors or the codependent ministry are looking at, hey, you know what? You know, how am I going to be loved now? Yeah. How am I going to be wanted and needed? Yeah, so. I, I, absolutely.